continue our sermon series that we've titled Prepared for Action today. And we're looking at what I've chosen to retitle uh, a sermon on submission in our relationships. The text is going to be the same, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7. In the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this idea of how being prepared begins with knowing the challenges that we're going to face. We said that we have to be, first of all, people who know the Word. I can't stress enough how important it is for us to be those who, according to what Paul said to First Tim, in 2 Timothy to Timothy, when he said, you need to be people who are rightly dividing or rightly handling the Word of Truth. We need to know the Word. I can't encourage you enough to develop a practice of daily Bible reading, uh, daily Bible study. But also, not only do we need to be people who know the Word, we need to be people who know the world in which we live. Uh, Going back to 1 Chronicles, as I shared with you last week, in the list of the different peoples 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, talks about the men of Issachar, and it describes them in this way. They are men who understand the times and know what Israel ought to do. We need to be that kind of people. People who understand the community in which we live, this area of Illinois, uh, our society. We need to know the world in which we live as well as the word so that we can know what the church ought to be doing and and when we look at the world we need to do it not necessarily in a pessimistic way obviously we can't be overly optimistic but we shouldn't be pessimistic either we need to look at it realistically and when we look at the world realistically there are two things that I think stand out right away first of all There is little doubt, I don't think you would disagree, that we live in a world that is corrupted. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Again, Paul writes, But understand this, that in the last days, that's in these last days, go to Hebrews, the first chapter, first couple verses, go to Jude, we are living in the last days. We have been since the ascension of Jesus, we will be till he returns again. In the last days, there will be times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, by this time we're going, wow, Paul, you know, back off a little bit. But, but no, he still continues. Unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And then he says, avoid such people. Now, we can't get away from them totally. Remember last week, I said that as we were closing, I said we need to be people who try to figure out how to live in the world, but yet not be of the world. We've got to be qualitatively different. But that's the kind of world we live in. 
Uh, if you need verification of it, go to Psychology Today, uh, December of 2017. There was an article called The Top Ten Personality Disorders. And second to obsessive compulsive, which is somebody just having to have things their way, but second to that is narcissistic. People who, are, who thrive on self-satisfaction, they're incapable of empathy. They use others to get attention and praise. And and on that top ten list is also a a disorder called histrionic, which means you'll use whatever means you can to get attention. And those are the kinds of things that Paul says to Timothy, those are going to be things that are prevalent in the last days. We live in a corrupted society. But secondly... We need to understand, we need to know that we also operate within a confused church. Now, I'm not talking just about our local congregation here at Brook. I'm talking about church with a capital C. We live in a confused church. And the root of the problem goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 with the temptation account. A part of the confusion that we have in the church is that we don't take this book, the Word of God, and know it and learn how to apply it. Instead, the tempter, the tempter Satan, has us because he comes to us just like he came to Eve. And he said, wait a minute. Did God really say... Did really God really say you can't do that? And when Eve again repeats what God had told them, then the devil comes with a second line of attack. Well, he really didn't mean that. For God knows you're you're really not going to die immediately if you sin. And you know what? Maybe that's the problem. Do you think, seriously, do you think that if Eve would have dropped dead when she took that first bite, that the tempter would have had any love turning to Adam and saying, all right, you ready for your bite? I don't think so. A part of the problem, even in our society today, is a separation of the time between the offense and the the administration of the penalty or the punishment. And the longer that gap, the more likely the person is to repeat the offense because they think, well, nothing's going to happen to me anyway. I'll just get my hand slapped. We live in an age that questions the Word of God. Did God really mean that? We live in an age that Paul, Peter, excuse me, Paul also talks about to Timothy in 2 Timothy when he says there's going to be people don't, who don't want to hear sound teaching. In fact, there'll be people who have itching ears so that they'll seek out somebody that will satisfy them. They'll find a church to go to that's to their liking. I, I'm, I'm serious about this. I think it is sinful. And I, although I shouldn't be judgmental the way I am, but I really judge the Christianity of people who leave congregations because of problems. 
We're a body. We're a family. Do you leave your family just because of problems? Or, or do you work and, and struggle and try to get things resolved? So today, we're going to talk about submission in relationships. Back in 1973, when I was doing my undergraduate work, I, I had a really keen interest in... In fact, I was actually thinking about being pre-med and going into psychiatry. And then even when I went to graduate school at Southern Baptist, I initially went to major in pastoral care and counseling under Wayne Oates. But there was a guy that, that was writing in that time period by the name of Carl Rogers. And here's what he says. He says, mankind is groping for a new understanding of relationships. Now, he was pointing to some of the things that was going on in the late 60s and early 70s, like the communal living, the the free love, and all of that. But I think he was right on in terms of, of that groping groping for a new understanding of relationship. And and the question that I think you and I have to answer is, have we gained or have we lost? And to be honest, I, I really think we've lost. Now we began back at chapter 2, verse 13, with looking at this whole issue of submission. And the principle that we saw in order to be knowing and doing the will of God, the principle was dutiful submission. Dutiful submission. As Christians, it involves placing ourselves in the right relationship, even to the human governing institutions. Being subject. In terms of the household servants, or, or in terms of, of being an employee. We looked at how it meant doing what what is required, doing what is right. And part of the reason why Paul says this is that we're always living under scrutiny. Somebody's watching us all the time. Peter uses a word in chapter 2. And he says, uh, and again in chapter 3 here, he says, You need to do what's right because they may see your good deeds. Or in chapter 3 in our text for today, when they see, people are watching us. And the pattern is a pattern of proper respect and honor. Now let's go to today's text and let's see how this works itself out in terms of interpersonal relationships. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and the reverence of their lives. Your beauty should not come from the outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great value in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. 
You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear. Husbands, in the same way, or likewise, likewise wives, likewise husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. May God add his blessing to our reading of the word today. Last week, I showed you this slide. Kind of looks like a teeter-totter, but we need to see in it the idea of balance. The pattern is proper respect and honor. The principle is dutiful submission. But as we look at this in terms of of the the bigger picture, what we see is, is that in order to know and do the will of God, we have to somehow keep in balance this idea of living in dutiful submission, but at the same time, living as people who are free. That's verses 13 to 17 of chapter 2. Now in today's text, contrary to what many say and teach, did you really notice what Peter says? He says, likewise wives, be subject to your own husbands. The word is be subject, not obey. It's a voluntary placement of yourself, not obedience to some form of chain of command or hierarchy. The pattern for living in a proper relationship is the same for the husband and the wife, just as it was for the good citizen and the dutiful servant. Peter starts with saying, likewise wives, and the section regarding husbands, it was likewise or in the same way, husbands. And what is he pointing back to in terms of likewise? He's pointing back to the pattern of Christ. Just as Christ was willing to be submissive, just as Christ was willing to be quiet, even though he was being unjustly persecuted. You see, he submitted to that task that was before him. Now listen to me. God didn't create women so that there could be servants for men. God didn't create a servant for the husband. Go back all the way to Genesis again. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will raise him a helper fit for him. Eve is a helper, not a servant, but she's a helper who is fit for him. In other words, she compliments him. Her strengths would complement his weaknesses. His strengths would complement her weaknesses. And you say, well, wait a minute. What about Paul? Didn't Paul also talk about women being subject and submitting? Well, yes, he does. But let's look at that. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. You say, well, wait a minute. My Bible has a paragraph break between verse 21 and 22. I know. 
I know, but I, I think it's one of the worst paragraph breaks in the Bible. And let me tell you why. In verse 22, there is no verb. That's why I have it in front of you the way it is. Starting with verse 22, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The word submit is in brackets because it doesn't appear in the original manuscripts in the Greek in that sentence. Literally, it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for the Lord or for Christ, wives to your husbands as to the Lord. In other words, we have to have that word submit from the previous verse for it to make sense. And the previous verse says, what? We submit to one another. We submit to one another. And look at what else Paul says, by the way. Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now let me ask you a question. Who has the stricter standard? I I think the men do. You see, our submission to the Lord is imperfect at best. How many of you have been perfect all week this week as you've submitted to the Lord? I haven't been perfect today. Whereas Christ, in terms of His relationship to the church, Paul says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Well, he loved it perfectly. He loved it sacrificially. So with that in mind, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Both men and women have likewise. Just as the pattern of, of Christ, likewise. But then notice something. Not only is the standard different, which we saw in Paul, but here in Peter, we see that the method we use is different. Women, it's the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Men, it's an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Now we have to understand the context to which and in which the setting in which Peter was writing. Women and children were considered property. But there was a move away from that. Writing at about the same time as Peter was a Greek biographer and moralist by the name of Plutarch. He lived from 46 to 120 AD. Here's what he writes in his advice to bride and groom. He says, so it is with women also. If they subordinate themselves, if they subject themselves, if they submit themselves, if they subordinate themselves to their husbands, they are commended. But if they want to have control, they cut a sorrier, an old word for sadder, they cut a sorrier figure than the subjects of their control. 
And control ought to be exercised by the men over the women, not as the owner has control over a piece of property, but as the soul controls the body by entering into her feelings and being knit to her through goodwill. This is kind of the direction that Peter is taking his readers in terms of how we are to submit to one another in our relationships. Peter's not urging the women to pattern their lives on even the best of traditional values of their society. In fact, back in chapter 1, verse 18, he says to them, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Feudal ways. And the way that Peter says that the women are to show this submissive relationship is with a gentle and quiet spirit. Say, okay, sounds good to me. We'll get them quiet. No, no, no. That is not a phrase that is distinctively feminine. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 verse 29, that passage where he says, take my yoke upon you, he goes on to say, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And and the very way he entered into Jerusalem in Matthew 21, what we call the triumphal entry, he was riding on a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9, which was a symbolic way of saying, your king is coming, but he's coming in a quiet, gentle, humble manner. Now, meekness and gentleness, that's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 23. You see, what Peter is saying is to women, women, Have an inner beauty about yourselves. And husbands, men, be understanding. Show respect. Give them honor. Because here's the point. We are different. But we are equal. How many of you have read John Gray's book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus? Anybody? No? Well, here's a phrase from that book. Not a not a Christian book by any stretch. Uh, just a one of the regular off the shelf self your help type self help type books. Help yourself. Here's what he says: When a man can listen to a woman's feelings without getting angry and frustrated, he gives her a wonderful gift. He makes it safe for her to express herself. The more she is able to express herself, the more she feels heard and understood. And the more she is able to give a man the loving trust, acceptance, appreciation, admiration, approval, and encouragement that he needs. I don't know if you're aware of this, but most affairs that are initiated by the woman in a marriage happen because there's another man who would listen to them. Not physical, like with guys. You see, it should be beginning to make sense why Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives and 
Women submit. Husbands love. Women respect. Because that's what we need. Women need to feel loved. Men need to feel respected and honored. And getting back to Peter. Peter says, husbands, you need to live in an understanding way. Understanding that you're living with and treat, you need to treat these women like the weaker vessel. And so all of a sudden we're saying, oh yeah, there we go, let's go. Preach it, brother. Well, here's what he means. I've got two containers here, two vessels. Both of them, you can eat a, your morning cereal out of. Bowls. But I don't think there's anybody in here that would have any problem with me taking this bowl that represents the man and just throwing it down. But this vessel, glass, crystal, it's weaker, isn't it? You wouldn't want me to throw it down. It's fragile. You see, we're equal. We're both vessels that can be used for certain purposes. But we are made different physiologically as well as emotionally. One of the commentators on on Paul's passage in Ephesians 5 where he says we are members of one body. Therefore it is written, a man shall leave his father and a woman leave her excuse me, leave her home, and the two will become one. Here's what he says about that passage. Christ and the church in a loving relationship is the paradigm, the pattern for all of our relationships. As a good citizen, as a good employee, as a good husband and wife, in all of our relationships, the church, Christ and the church, in a loving relationship, is the pattern. And Paul calls this a mystery. Look at verse 32. This mystery is profound. He's just quoted the Old Testament passage. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Yes, the husband and wife are to pattern themselves after that. But it goes back to how Christ submitted himself, how Christ himself was obedient to to give us a pattern for how we should relate with one another. Let me close with this. Here's the crux of the issue. If you and I want to do the will of God, if we want to obey His commands, a part of it starts with Ephesians 5.21, submitting ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Being submissive in our relationships. Not demanding our own way. I don't know how many of you know somebody, but I had somebody very dear to me all my life that there were two ways. His way and the wrong way. We can't live that way. We need to be living in submission. 
out of reverence for Christ. And then, let me go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. Here's how John wraps it all up. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Two things there. Believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that word believe isn't something that you have between your ears. It's not something that's in your head. No, in the Bible, belief always involves some way of showing that you believe that. James, he says, you believe there is one God? Good. The demons even believe that. What's the difference between the demons' belief in God and belief that Jesus is the Son of God and the belief that you and I have? Well, hopefully, it's that our belief involves not just faith, but faithfulness. Not just something between our ears, but it involves allegiance and loyalty. And it begins with our relationships with one another. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that the cross is pointing up and down in sense of our love for God? That's primary. But also there is that crossbar, the horizontal bar. We not only love God, but we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. That was a part of Jesus' command. And until you and I begin to quit grumbling and backstabbing, And I'm talking about the way we treat each other. Unless we are willing to stop talking negatively about people in the church to people who are outside the church, there's nobody out there that's going to want to be a part of our fellowship. We've got to be submitting ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. We've got to be believing in the name of His Son. And we've got to secondly be loving one another. That's what he's commanded us to do. Let's pray.